I'd like to take our text tonight from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. That's Philippians 2, 14 through um, 16 here. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as light in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labor in vain. What a promise. But, um, you know, this verse came to mind uh, soon, of course, Brother Dave asked me to preach in a certain thing, situation that God want to teach me or learn me some more. And, uh, you know, the first part, it says, do all things without murmuring. You know, I don't know if any of you murmur much or complain much. Uh, you know, in my, my household is here and there, not much. But here and there. So um, I look more into murmuring. Yeah, murmuring is a half-suppressed or mutter complaint, a grumbling or disapproval. Um, it doesn't have to be loud. There's another definition that says a subdue or private expression of discontentment or dissatisfaction. Um, I like that one. I mean, we all do it, but tonight, yeah, with God's help, I hope to encourage that, you know, maybe we shouldn't murmur or complain anymore because it's not God's will. Because uh, murmuring does not give glory to God. Murmuring does not please God, you know. But what it does is it repel everybody away from you. It repel people away from God if you're a Christian, and it is rebelling against God when you murmur and complain as a follower of Jesus Christ. So what does murmur do, complaint do? It causes unneeded stress. I'm sure all of you want more stress in your life, right? Especially nowadays. So all it does is cause more unneeded stress. And uh, basically it also causes you to forget what God has done for you. Yeah. It costs I mean, just look at the Israelite. Follow the example. What happened when they murmur as soon as they left Egypt? A whole generation did not get to enter into the promised land. That's what happened to them when they murmur against God and against what God has given them. Um, murmuring, complaining, it deteriorates our faith also. It minimizes it. And uh, it is a poor testimony it taints your uh, it taints your testimony when you murmur and complain and you know what it also give satan a um, an opportunity to step into your life if satan put a step into your life he will try to take a mile if satan has a step in your life jesus cannot be in that area of your life because that life belongs to satan so be careful when you murmur or complain, because it does give an opportunity for the enemy of our soul to come into our life, to ruin our testimony, and to ruin what God has done and given unto us. 
you know, uh, Jude 1.16, it says, These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speak great swelling words, having men, persons in admiration because of advantage. Again, a lot of time, I mean, we all like to complain, right? As soon as we go to complain or say something about with somebody, you know, that phrase, misery love company, when you complain, yeah, complainers love each other's company too. Well, where does it lead to? Um, a lot of time we seek admiration from other people, but a lot of time all it does is it's a take you into a path that God doesn't want us to go. Um, because it takes away what God has given us and done for us. And, you know, when you complain, I'm not talking about when you hurt yourself or hurt your knee, say, oh, it hurts and you have to get surgery. But when it become a complaint is when you're seeking more attention and you become ungrateful, you know, well, how come nobody's visiting me anymore? How come nobody's bringing me meal? Or how come... I don't hear any more prayer requests or seeking all the attention. That's when it becomes a complaint murmuring against the situation that you are um, in. But you know what God tells us to do? Instead of complaining or murmuring, in, uh, to, we are supposed to be content. Hebrew 13, 5 through 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such thing that ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I mean, do you believe that tonight? That's faith. He will never leave us or forsake us. That's a promise that we can take to God. And another thing that he tells us to do is that in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, it says to rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It says here, in everything, give thanks. Even if you are driving a lawnmower, driving a lawnmower into a pool, give thanks. So that way you don't have to do it again, right? And you learn not what to do again. So give thanks. Habakkuk 13.8 Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. God is my strength. Is God your strength tonight? You know, there's a many many people out there in the world, or many just a lot of people uh, rely on a lot of things out there. Some rely on their own ability. So a lot rely on their own intelligence. And many rely on their wealth to get them through life. But through all those things, when it comes down to it, there's no peace in it. And those things doesn't last at all, but only for a moment. The only thing that will last is the strength that God gives us. You know, the strength that we have through Jesus Christ. Again, it says, in every situation, give thanks. You know, when I um, read this verse, I remember a situation also when, uh, right when I was about to graduate, I think it was my senior year in the spring sometime, uh, my dad bought me a, um, a car. I couldn't even pronounce the name of the car. I never heard of it. Probably it's only one of its kind. Uh, I think it's, he probably saved for three years just to buy that car for 900 bucks or something. And um, 
yeah, I was thankful for it. I think a plane in my first car, almost graduated college, and um, uh, you know, I drive it. After a while, you know, for a couple months, the the brake need to be replaced. You know, then so my dad decided to do myself. I didn't realize he was a mechanic. I mean, maybe they had a car in Cambodia, so who knows? But uh, and they didn't have Google back then, know how to look up things. But he changed the brake, so I said, well. Maybe he know what he's doing. And uh, when I drive that thing, every time, most of the time when I stop, or if, we, if you stop for uh, suddenly, it would skid for at least three feet. So sometimes five feet, and that's scary. But so I learn to adjust to that. So when I come to a stop, when I see a stop, I would just brake slowly and it would just skid along. Now there's a, a couple of times when a red light turn or uh a car stopped right away, I skid, and there's one time where it just, it stopped right away, and there's a sport car in front of me, and it's from here to maybe where Patrick was over there, and I stopped so hard, and I skid all the way, and I pray, oh, Lord, have mercy, and I come this close to that car, oh, thank, thank the Lord that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, he saved me from that, I was thankful for that situation. I was thankful for that car. But you know what? One day, of course, in Tacoma, our young people, you know, I have a car and most of our young people driving Asian have a car. So we borrow each other's car and uh, Eric borrowed a couple of times, Joe borrowed a couple of times. Then one time uh, in the morning, I think Eric had to go to work. He needed to borrow because he worked early, uh, way early. And I got a call at seven, say, hey, your car's on fire. And, you know, I, I thank the Lord for that. You never know, if it didn't catch on fire, the engine fire, you know, might have hurt somebody really bad or something. But thank the Lord, and I don't know where they towed that car, but I didn't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, praise God for that. So again, in every situation, give thanks to God, because God has a will, God has a purpose. And everything that happened, God save us from something that might even be bigger. But we have to trust and have faith in God in that. So, tonight, uh, I'm not closing yet, but what are you murmuring or what are you complaining about in life right now? Is there something in life that is taking away your energy that you need to complain about? Uh, but, you know, give it to God. Go complain to God. Don't complain it to everybody around you first or put it on social media and stuff, all that first, and then go talk to God. Give it to God because God knows what you're going through. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for all of us. And he works things out for the good you know, of us, not of anybody else. But we have to trust him in that. Again, complaints, murmuring, it will just drain the energy out of your life. I mean, all of us, I'm sure at work, at home or wherever, know that one person, a lot of time when they come, you want to walk the other way, right? Because you know what they're coming for and to complain and, and to give. But um, it complaining, murmuring, it will take the joy away. It will take the blessing away. Again, be careful uh, not to complain and murmur so much because it is not God's will to do so. Now, the second part of the verse is a uh, dispute says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. You know, it, it's simple. The Bible says about disputing. You know, the, des the definition of disputing is to content an argument. 
And yeah, a lot of us know those people who love to argue. It doesn't matter what situation, what topic. They just love to argue. They love to bring something, a heated discussion is another definition to debate or struggle against, to resist, to contest. Uh, one definition I like is empty talk. So disputing. Uh, in uh, Matthew 18, 15, 7, again, the Bible is very simple and easy regarding disputing between one another, between family, between a brother or sister in Christ on how to resolve dispute. We'll go to Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 17. Say, moreover, if any brother shall trespass against thee, so if anybody wrong you or you wrong them, go and tell it, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Now, see, it doesn't say here, go social, go post it on the social media first, Twitter, Facebook, or go tell to everybody first before that person. It says, go and tell it between him alone, you and him alone, you know, not the world first. And then that person found out through all the, the media, through everybody else. Now, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So if you resolve that, hey, you become friend, you gain a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. But if he will not hear thee, then take thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witness, every word may be established. Again, if that uh, person choose not to listen or think that you're wrong, then bring a witness and talk to one another and discuss it as a witness. Let, let the third party hear both sides. And it doesn't have to be through anything complicated, but just, you know, friends, family. Bring it together. Have them hear both sides and let them decide you know, what needs to be done. And then it goes forward. It says, uh, and if he shall neglect to hear them. So if this person neglect to hear them, tell it into the church. So now the next step, you go and talk to your church. Go talk to Brother Dave. He loves to hear about it and dispute. He has the answer to all of it, all the problem and the situation. So, but, um, and, but if he, then the last part here, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So again, those are a simple thing. You go talk, if somebody wrong you or you wrong them, you go talk to that person. And then, um, if nothing resolved, you bring a witness, two or three to witness. And then you bring it to uh, your pastor, to the church, and work it out. And then if they choose not to work it out, you know, he is a heathen to us or to you. A heathen is somebody who just, you know, believe in God, but choose to disobey the way of God. Uh, choose to disobey God and not follow God's way. Uh, God's uh, walk. So again, it's simple on how to resolve dispute. Again, we are living um, in a world, in a society that everyone does what is right in their own eyes. We all do. It, it's sad, but you know, it's not just now, but back then too, when uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in Second Timothy three, we start with verse one here. This I know also that in the last day perilous times shall come. For men, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, 
boaster, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, fault accuser, incontinent, fierce, despiser of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lover of pleasures more than lover of God, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And it says, from such, turn away. That's what the time we're living in now, and that's the society that we're living in now. Be careful that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, should not be categorized into these, uh, this category here. If we don't watch out, if we don't listen, if we don't pray, if we don't seek God to draw closer to God, we will be. We will become one of these. We will be swayed by the ways of the world. Okay. First Peter 4, 8 and 10 through 10. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourself. I looked at what it means is just to have passions, you know, great love for one another. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man has received the gift. Even so, minister the same to one another as good, good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Again, we are called to show love to one another, you know, to show hospitality to one another. And, uh, we are called not to just murmur or complain all the time because, you know, that I'll read that last, the, the part again. We shouldn't do that because that we may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom ye shine as light in the world. We have to shine because the world need to know Jesus. Everybody around you, we all know somebody who needs to be saved. You know, we have to love them enough to shine our light into this world so that they would know Jesus. We have to shine our light so bright that they, they want to know, they want to have what we have. Not just uh, living the, the Christian Sunday life there. And again, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labor in vain. You know, in closing, in life, there's a lot to complain about. There's a lot to murmur about. In life, there's a lot to argue about, to dispute. We're human. But you know what? Of all that, that is a life without Christ. You can complain, you can murmur, you can fight, you can argue. But that is the life of what the world is teaching you, the world is encouraging to you. But that is not, you know, but that is not a life of Christ that we are called to do. Because that is the life without Christ. But in Christ, there are more to be thankful for. There are more to be joyful for. There are more to live for. And there are more to give. And there are more hope to have. Because that's what being a Christian is. And that's what being a follower of Jesus Christ is. So tonight, if you don't have uh, Jesus in your heart, you know, this morning I asked 
my Sunday school class, what does it mean to be saved? You know, I get a lot of answers. I ask my children this to a few weeks. You know, to be saved, not just say to repent of your sin. Anybody can say you're sorry that you've done bad or you have sin. But the second part is you have to ask Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And you have to follow him. You have to live that life. You can't say that, oh, yes, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Or you say, hey, I believe in Jesus. No, you have to do, you have to repent. And you have to ask Jesus Christ into your life. And he has to be your God and your Savior. That's it. That's what it means to be saved. So tonight, if you're not saved, um, there's no other time to be. Because again, we're living in a world that is just going further and further away from God's way and God's will. So if you want to be saved, you have the opportunity tonight to pray where you're at or to come to the altar. You know, give your life to Jesus Christ. There's more hope. There's more uh, life. There's more joy. There's more peace. You can't find peace and uh, true joy out there in the world. You can only find peace in Jesus Christ. So let's come down and pray the song of invitation is 100.